It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And I am so excited today. Do you know why, Jill? Because it's National Fig Newton Day and I made homemade Fig Newtons. <laughs> that is it. Usually I am just so excited by National Fig Newton Day that I take the day off and <laughs> I, I go to Newton, Massachusetts, home of the Fig Newton. Every year I have been very disappointed because... I don't know why you're disappointed. There's a parade. There is, but... I'm always looking for the original Fig Newton Bakery. and No, no, you're not going to find it there, I don't think. You're going to clarify everything for us, and we're going to get to eat a cookie that I previously believed could only be made in a secret bakery with the proper extruder. <laughs> and not only that, but they're gluten-free. You yeah. maybe thought you would never eat a Fig Newton again. I and maybe you weren't even that sad about it. No, I love Fig Newtons. <laughs> Last week, if you listened to our Winter White Cookie episode where we said that we were creating a training treat, Fig Newtons indeed were a cookie that when I would do my very, very long bicycle races of 100 miles or more, uh, mm -hmm. they would always have Fig Newton cookies because they're an easy... A place, a place in your saddlebag? Well, no, 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 no. Like the, the rest stops and the, oh. the nutrition stops would have Fig Newton cookies because they're, they're a quick source of energy and carbohydrates. Well, I think that they were originally thought to be to aid in the uh, digestion, that it would be more of a keeping yourself regular kind of treats. Yeah, because of figs like prunes mm -hmm. help with the fiber to aid your digestion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but tell me, do you tell me everything that I've ever wanted to know about the fig newton? I don't think that there's enough time in the podcast for that, so I'll just tell you some of the some of the salient points. I, okay, I might ask you some questions though, and this might be a very, very, very long podcast. It might turn into its own series. Fig Newton Lab. So yes, it's named for the city of Newton, Massachusetts, but it was not made there. It was made by the Kennedy Biscuit Company, which was later combined with uh, something else to become Nabisco. I think it was. NBC or something like that. Mm. And uh, just this Kennedy Bakery was naming cookies for towns around here. So there was a... Where, where were they located? I think Cambridge. Cambridge. So this Kennedy Biscuit Company had a Beacon Hill cookie, a Harvard cookie, and a Shrewsbury cookie. Oh, I wonder what happened to them. And if we can resurrect the recipe for them that would be awesome for cookie lab especially because we live near boston 
So um, that company uh, was provided with a special apparatus that you mentioned, the extruder. It was like a funnel within a funnel with jam in the middle and the outside funnel was the dough. Yeah. So it made like a long tube of filled dough that could then be cut in smaller pieces. Created by um, James Henry Mitchell. Yeah. And then supposedly the, the recipe was from a Philadelphia guy, oh. Charles M. Roser. Sure. He sold that the recipe to the Kennedy Biscuit Company. So, so you know how sometimes you're like trying to find the first printed recipe of such and such a treat. Yeah. Well, this is all part of the lore. It's all well documented and not particularly controversial. Some people wonder about the name. Some people spread rumors that it was the fig part is from a general who is there, there's there's an apocryphal like world war ii government story you know how like half of the stuff we have is from the government like tang and oh yeah you know and i think m&m's maybe was i don't remember anyway the newton comes from the city that you know was near the bakery and the fig comes from the fact that this guy who had the recipe this charles roser liked figs there was also an existing, I mean, this was already a thing in Britain, fig rolls. It was, it's just that now that they're called Newtons and that's trademarked. So any, any, oh. anytime else you find, like if you go to Trader Joe's, they're called fig bars because they can't, no one else can use the word Newton. Didn't Paul Newman make a fig Newmans? Oh, did he? But that's okay because it's Newman. Yeah. And yeah. they're not named after Sir Isaac Newton. No, I don't That's think they are. That's just a rumor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there's more. There's more controversy. Right. So it was in in, uh, in the late 1800s when this extruder was invented, and that yes, was this was happening f- in like 1891 is the first time the the fig newton hit and it was supposed to be i've read one of the first mass-produced baked goodies in america really we'll have to see if we can find some earlier mass-produced baked goodies yeah it was um also marketed for a long time as not a cookie but fruit and cake when I originally proposed this controversial episode, I thought there would be, you know, a lot of fighting back and forth uh, between you and me and all of our listeners about whether it was a cookie or a small cake, quote unquote, fruit and cake, which was something that they used in their marketing. Oh, okay. They were the third best-selling cookie in America starting in 1992. Oh. It's unclear where they stand in the rankings now. They're kind of heyday. They had a 100-year anniversary in 1991. And in the city of Newton, they made a 100-inch Fig Newton. I vaguely remember that. You do? Yeah. And California Fig Advisory Board representatives announced (laughs) that 25 fig trees would be planted in this city. Oh, okay. Um, So I think people are having a lot of fun with it. I have a lot of fun with it. My... Three of my three children were born in Newton, Massachusetts. So, and I know a lot of people have fond memories of their grandparents putting out a plate of Fig Newtons. I'm sure. Yeah, and one is named Fig as well, which is very cool. You (laughs) You know what? That's actually not true. However, Fig was like a number one on my list for what to name the dog who became the brown brown dog on our on our logo, whose name is. Yeah. Her name is Tuka, but I wanted to call her Fig because uh, she's fig colored. Huh. Well, you didn't mention Charles M. Roser. 
Yeah, he's the one who had the recipe. He's mm-hmm. the guy from Philadelphia. Or maybe you did. You did. He name. sold the recipe to the Kennedy, Kennedy Biscuit Company. Kennedy Biscuit Works, which you can still visit today. It is part uh, MIT bought it and included the building in its, you know, classrooms and things like that. And there's a little plaque. Oh, that's funny that you say that because you said you were disappointed that it wasn't in Newton. I also read during my extensive yeah. research that um, another place that you could visit, which is at the original Nabisco Bakery. Do you know where that is? I don't. I assume that it's in in the Boston area because the Kennedy Biscuit Works became the Nabisco. Right. But before, so I think after they combined, they built a facility in New York, which is now In New York City? Yes, Chelsea Market is was the Nabisco factory. Chelsea Market was constructed in the 1890s and was originally the site of the National Biscuit Company factory complex, mm-hmm. where the Oreo cookie was. <gasps> oh, a spin! Through. I see a spin-off cookie coming. Yeah, <laughs> was invented and produced. So I volunteer to make gluten-free homemade Oreos for a future episode of Cookie Lab as a spinoff of this Fig Newton extravaganza. We can go down the entire Nabisco and Kennedy Biscuit Company list of cookies. And yes, we can. That can be probably our whole season. Yes. So as I said, I used to go to Newton, Massachusetts for Fig Newton Day and walk around and see the parade and eat the cookies. But I was always disappointed because there was no bakery there that made them. You have to go to Cambridge. There's a plaque. That's all that really exists anymore. And this is an example of a... A time when a machine was invented and kind of, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine being James Henry Mitchell, who was... Who invented the extruder. Eating these cookies, these fig and cake cookies from England, uh, assumably, and saying... You know, I've got to make a machine to make these cookies. Yeah, we got to mass produce this item. Yeah, we have to mass produce this. It's the American way. So I did it. um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did you do it with a machine? I didn't do it. Well, unless you count like a pastry, like a frosting bag with a metal tip, a machine that I squeeze with my hands to squeeze out the fig paste. No. Did you extrude it into? I extruded it onto my dough, rolled the dough into a kind of a flattish log and cut it in pieces once, once it was baked and warm and soft. And I really am excited for you to try this because I can't think of another cookie that's quite like the Fig Newton. And this recipe, like on the first try... Really kind of, I, all right, I, I'm no, spoiler alert, I think it captures the, the texture and the taste uh, quite well. Okay. Let's taste them and find out. Okay. I still have so many questions, but let me open the fantastic tin that you've brought over of something really lovely to eat. The first thing I notice is the aroma smells mm. like opening a package of Fig Newtons. Yeah. Yeah. It's got it's got orange zest. Yeah, it's got uh, yeah. Is that the yeah, absolutely. Which I never I thought of thought before. That, that it was yeah. the smell of figs. Mm-mm. And Let's and I open it and it looks just like a fig Newton. I and, know, and weirdly like 
acts and tastes like one too. Acts considering okay, how many see. how often I make something for Cookie Lab and it's just like whatever. This is this was really accurate. Okay, I'm going to taste so it I, now. So I we will share that recipe obviously with our listeners. It's up already. Mm. Jill. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's the first time for everything, Chris. Hmm. The cake is just cakey enough. It has all the right flavors. It has the right amount of fig to cake ratio. Fig to cake ratio. Did you have to measure that? I just followed the recipe. I would say know? it might be a little better than the Fig Newton. <gasps> An improvement on the 1891 classic? <laughs> And I say that because, and it might just be a freshness thing. You know how your Fig Newtons get a little squishy, mm-hmm. a little soft from where the fig is sitting inside the cake and it could, I guess. could stick to the roof of your mouth a little bit? This doesn't do that. This seems much fresher. Super fresh. I just, I baked it on, what was it, Sunday? Just the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, I think I, I, I'm going to have a sip and of coffee. And this was a... Yeah, some recipes called for making your own um, fig filling like on the stove. This one happened to be a no-cook one that I, where I just used a food processor with dried figs and applesauce and a little bit of orange juice. Oh. And I would not change a thing. So explain to me how this happens because I see a seam at the bottom of the cookie. So I'm assuming that you took a piece of dough and wrapped it around the fig. I rolled the dough into a square Cut the square into four strips, piped a stripe of fig filling along each strip, and then kind of rolled it over, baked it seam side down. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Interesting. So it was like one super, it was like four really long fig Newtons. Yeah. And then you cut them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cut them when they were warm. What fun. uh, my testers, my my lab assistants gobbled them up. Yeah. Is this a one day process or a two day process or a? You have to chill the dough at least one hour. I think just because of the way my weekend went, I ended up chilling it longer. I think you can chill it, you know, for days if you need to. I probably chilled it for a day. Makes it easier to roll out. I can't even remember. It's a busy week over here in the lab. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a busy time of year with all the it's super lab results being sent to us and demanded for yeah. evaluation. It's super, 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 super sticky. Like you have to put a ton of flour on your work surface. Okay. Which is which works well for gluten-free, like gluten-free. Do you remember the time I tried to make gluten-free pierogi? Sure. And it just was a, just a complete, like I tried to fold the pocket over and it just fractured Mm. this wasn't like that it was so dense and moist even and even the recipe says like i've made this gluten-free with one-to-one and so i was pretty confident going in and it was just fine so some science we are discussing pre-recording in the laboratory of the excitement of the science that goes along with this now i can't even wait for you to talk about this because it's just incredible Uh, like in did you listeners did you know that the fig is like a super strange wonder of science right we're not going to talk about the extruder and the science of extruding things you can go online and look at how it's made and see the extruder itself but we are going to focus on the science of the fig. And it's a good one. Chris, and take it have away. You ever, have you ever e- eaten a, a fresh fig? I, 
maybe. Sometimes yeah. they're on the charcuterie board, yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures of them. And usually it's a it's a round, fleshy thing that looks kind of weird in the center. It looks like it's got lots of seeds in it. It sure does. Yeah. Well, alongside the... What did we eat that was a droop? Almonds. Almonds are a droop. This isn't a droop. It's an inflorescence. Right. It is not even a fruit. The fig is not a fruit. Blow my mind. The inside of the fig is actually a bunch of flowers. Flowers and seeds inside a bulbous stem. <laughs> And that's it. Yeah, it's called an inflorescence. And the closest relative to this is a mulberry. And if you think of a mulberry, you know how like blackberries, a mulberry is like a blackberry. And you know how... Okay, I'm glad you said that because you're like, if you think of a mulberry... (laughs) Here we go around the mulberry bush. You just think of a poem. The monkey chased the weasel. You know, blackberries have all kinds of little individual bumps. Yes. Right? The mulberry is very similar, except um, they're a little more separated. Okay. And each of those is little flowers and seeds. So the fig is just like that, except it's inside the stem of the plant. It's it's covered by the stem of so the plant. So Chris, the mulberry. How isn't. did those how did those flowers get pollinated to reproduce? Because they're inside. They're never outside. Right. Right. Enter the fig wasp. The fig is so special; it has its own special pollinator. That that's all it does. Exactly. This is the ultimate symbiosis in nature. They co-evolved, and this is the example of co-evolution that you will learn about if you're ever a biology student and you're studying that. Your teacher will give you a fig Newton. You will eat it. And then they will say, do you know how this comes about? And you'll say, yes, there's an extruder. And they'll say, no, 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 no. (laughs) The important part. And then after you hear the story, you might never want to eat a Fig Newton again. Well, so the queen of the Fig Wasp happens to be the perfect size for climbing inside and pollinating in a very, very, very confined space. She goes into a tiny opening at the apex of the fig called the osteole. Yeah. And despite her tiny body, she will lose her wings and antenna as she enters through the tight opening in the fig. But she doesn't care because it is her biological destiny <laughs> to go in there. Yeah. Yeah. She brings pollen it's... from a, another fig, Yep, goes in there, and lays her eggs inside the fig. Yeah, she's only going in there to lay eggs. And at the same time, she happens to leave lots of pollen around. So inside. all those inside flowers can be pollinated. Can 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 make their their fruit their yeah yeah yeah. So after she lays her egg, she dies, and she's digested by the fig. So the fig is like almost like a spider. I mean. I just never, I never, you probably know because you're like, you have like multiple advanced degrees in sciences. 
I didn't know about this. Oh, it is gross but fantastic at the same time. Yeah, so the fig is a death trap for the queen. But but she's not sad about it. She nourishes the fig. And then when the queen's eggs hatch, male and female wasps go through their different roles. But they mate with each other. And the female collects pollens and... The males, who are wingless, they never leave, begin carving a path out of the fig. And those females exit. The males and then they stay become behind, a queen to a different fig? And they then will pollinate another fig as the queen. And the males spend their entire life cycle within that sing- single fruit. But when we eat the Fig Newton, it's like we're eating decomposed wasp bodies. Yes, and delicious So really, fruits. will we ever eat it again, even though I have a whole Tupperware of them on my counter right now and they're delicious? <laughs> I don't know. Well, did it ever bother you before? No, I think they're delicious. Yeah, so I would just go with, I love me some, with the some deliciousness. Wasp yeah. yeah, okay. We should call them fig and fig wasp Newtons in uh, recognition of the importance of the queen fig wasp. And the sacrifice of the man wasps that just dig the tunnels for the other ladies. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're not given enough credit. And um, because we can't call them fig Newtons, we will call them fig wasp treats. Okay. <laughs> That way we're not going to get sued by Nabisco That's on right. Cookie Lab. That's right. And I will... Who would say to us, keep your paws off our Fig Newtons. Oh, the nasty Nabisco... Lawyers. Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you listeners can make and eat as many of our Fig Wasp treats as you like. And just one more note about the Newtons. They are now not on the shelves called Fig Newtons anymore because in, I think, 2012, they Nabisco decided to make other flavors. So the Fig Newton is still by far the most popular seller, but you can get like apple cinnamon Newtons and raspberry Newtons and things like that. So they're just, I think they're just called Newtons on the shelves. Maybe I'll check next time I go. Very, very, very interesting episode. I can't wait to edit this and go and listen to it once it's up. I hope that everybody enjoys it as much as we have. How can they not? And next week, everybody comes back and hears another fantastic story, tries another cookie, and learns some interesting science here on Cookie Lab. That's how we do it. All right. See you next week, Jill. Bye, Chris. It's Cookie Lab.